Yes, there you are. Hello, people. These are two Beatle podcasters that you've seen talk about way too much stuff that they know about that they shouldn't know about, but they do. And I'm uh, Ethan Alexanian. Yeah, yeah. And I'm Andy Nichols. And this is the first installment of the brand new Anything About... Actually, that was wrong. Anything But The Beatles podcast. Andy, uh, we're, we're less than 20 seconds in, bud. And you've already screwed us. We're, I don't know. We're, it's all downhill from here. And it, well, I don't know. There's about eighteen thousand podcasts to keep track of. Listen to, remember, subscribe. L- listen, I got one word wrong, so it's anything but the Beatles. Yeah. Show number one, uh, a show that uh, kind of was born out of just a conversation, really, between Ethan Alexanian and myself, um, who have been podcasting separately uh, and working together on on. Yeah. collaborating on both our podcasts separately his, in varying stages of together yeah ethan of his fans on the run podcast which and is andy a, of his two legs yeah so now uh we through our shows and talking off the air we have discovered a love of uh, mutual music outside of the beatles and we thought why not do uh one show a month maybe and talk about these records that we like that are just not the beatles and uh we came up with one and uh I'm gonna pull well, my. Go ahead. The, the the nice thing about this one is that this was the the album that kind of started the discussions for the show. Because if I may recant the story, may please, I? please. Uh, we we were talking, uh, and you you would ask me, "Hey, yo, uh, are you getting the the plastic Ono band thing?" Uh, okay, I won't do the voice. No, do it, please. That was okay. great. Yeah, well, you're gonna get the plastic Ono band box. Hey, Gabagool. And um, I said no. I already spent my wad on the on the Who Sell Out box. Like, oh yeah, I did too. And so we just started, you know. And literally, this was like less yeah. than two weeks ago. And here we are. And here we are for our first one. And we chose this one because it's tying into the the uh, the box set release, which by the time this episode is airing, will have already been out. And that's why we chose to do it. Uh, on the weekend of that, that the the, the box. I was gonna. I keep calling it fifty because everything's been fifty. Yeah, but it's more it's, than fifty. It's fifty-four. Right. 50, I, we, and we, it's, we, it's not even because the album was released in December of sixty-seven. Right. So, you know, we've been so pre-programmed with all these anniversaries to say fifty, 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 but it's not. It's well past fifty. But um, well, you the know, who hasn't done a great job of that. They they had a, a I think a fifty second anniversary box from my generation. Yeah, yeah, they did. It, they were not timely. Even like when they did Tommy in twenty thirteen and Quadrophenia, which was in twenty eleven, they were just you know they were just super boxes that were thrown out there. So there was they weren't tied into any anniversary, and this kind of follows suit with that. So well, because we we as Beatles fans have been kind of spoiled. With these with these box sets and re-releases and re-re-re-releases being so neat and organized with how they're put out, whereas other bands like The Who, it's been more, you know, throw the shit at the wall, see what sticks, reissue it as needed. And yeah, in The Who's case, some of the CDs, I mean, have been, I mean... It's been trained like Tommy. Tommy's been redone in oh, a deluxe edition like two two separate times. I mean, you know, so there was a, there was a deluxe edition from two thousand three, and then there was a pared down version of the of the box. You know, the super deluxe version, which became a new deluxe edition from two thousand thirteen. Yeah. So the repackaging of Who material, as many Who fans will know, is it's been going on for decades. 
oh god well even the album we're talking about today has been repackaged in varying forms since like 1970 when when track records was kind of running out of steam they just decided hey let's look at what we've done so far and they just reissued their entire back catalog with these god-awful covers and the title backtrack yeah really just poor poor judgment but uh just some context for us as fans you know uh ethan where where did you where did you fall in line of discovering the who sell out in terms of your who fandom i uh you know because i know that you are big you enjoy the you really go for the 60s who material so i'm very curious was it the first one you went to how did you find it wasn't the first one i went to well it Actually, I don't know what the first Who album I went to was, because I, I grew up in a in the iTunes generation, so I was just we'll buying forgive, songs. We'll forgive you, but go on. Uh, screw you. Uh, I was <laughs> buying songs I liked, so I had you know my generation. I think I had Magic Bus. You were just buying stuff off of I, iTunes. I just bought what I liked, and um, I think my dad pointed this album out to me as something you know, to notice. Just to check out, right. Yeah. And it's, God, I've loved it ever since. And that that must have been 2013 or 2014 when I first heard it. So it was fairly, it was, you hadn't really gone through the rest of the Who catalog yet. You would really just kind of discovered a little bit of the 60s hits and then you kind of dropped in with the Who sell out and you were a fan of it ever since, right? Yeah. Very cool. I mean, it's not a that's not a usual, typical pattern. I think of who fandom. You know, they usually gravitate towards the. Well, I, I'm not a typical person. No, you're certainly not. Um, yeah, thank you. You're not, and none of us are. But I, that's a that's a very interesting way to look at it and discovering, of course, discovering music exposed through our family members, dads, uncles. It's... Well, I'll, I'll turn this on on you. How, where did this album fall in your who? Very fandom. later in the Who fandom. I'm talking, you know, I've been a Who fan for 25 years, and I probably didn't really get into this album properly until about 10 years ago. Really? Uh, yeah, because I, I have been a diehard stalwart 70s Who fan. Um, you know, Quadrophenia. So you like, you like the stadium rock Who? I, I absolutely do because I, I, I the you know the synthesizer Who I I love all that stuff. I oh you're you're the only person I I know that's spoken, you know, fairly positively about the Kenny Jones albums. Yeah, I mean, because they're not they are what they are. I mean, there there's a couple of they're not. Listen, they don't compare to anything that was done in the certainly in the Keith Moon era at all, but they're not bad records. They're they're clean, they're safe. I know Roger Daltrey hate, hates them because he thought that the Who were too um, polished of a sound, you know, And but there's some good tracks on those records, you know. I, I wouldn't listen to them start to finish, Face Dances or it's, or it's Hard, but I can go back to them and pick apart a couple of tracks and listen to them. Actually, now that we're talking about this, because this, this seems to be a trademark of my show, like Tangents, um, is it just me, or does you, you better you bet? I don't know if this is a, a unique take or not. It always sounded like, "Who are you?" Part two, with the me. you know with the with the beat yeah. of the whole thing, with yeah. like starting with the you know synthesizer kind of intro, yeah, going yeah. into those harmonies. Yeah, it's yeah. just the only difference is instead of like, it's right. 
that's it, a, that's that's a pretty cool take on on that song because it it actually kind of is a who are you part two. But yeah, later seventies who for me is has been my entryway into the who um, for a long time. Quadrophenia is like my gospel. I mean, I think I have about ten copies of it. Uh, who's same for who's next? Ten uh, copies of an album. What are you crazy? Yeah, probably. So I don't know. Ten box sets, cassettes, tapes, CD versions. Everything's here. I only um, kid. I wish I had ten copies of Who album. I probably, I definitely. I mean, it's probably something like some stupid number like that. But um, it took me a while to then navigate backwards into the '60s canon of the Who. Um, and I'd always kind of known about the Who sell out, reading all the biographies the funky cover and i'm like yeah. what is this album well, the, about? the cover was one of the first things that stood out to me oh because of, of and now i proceed to the part of the program where i hold up a prop you're gonna pull the tom hunyadi yeah so here's the record <laughs> do it do it do it do it no that that's it it's that's my tom hunyadi oh, all right i was gonna say do I, i've upgraded my tom impression from hey i'm a tom hunyadi hey i'm walking here <laughs> But, but uh, anyways, he, back to the who sell out. It's you yeah. know, Pete with his stupid fucking grin with a deodorant stick. Roger Daltrey with a can of baked beans bigger than him in a bathtub. It was just a. It's just a. It's a. It's a cover, and you're like, what are we looking at here? And then you have this, you know, the bizarre ad copy at the bottom. Right. You know. It's like this. This is not how an album is supposed to work. Like, what are you looking at? Like when you see this, like do you, you? I don't think you look at this and go, "Well, I start." I certainly didn't go, "Oh my god, this is something I got to hear." Now we we think of it differently now. Yeah, of course, but it's it, it doesn't really fit in with like when you think of album from nineteen sixty seven. Because no. you would think of very colorful. You would think of like Disraeli Gears by Cream. Right, right. Well, yeah, you would think of those other kind of iconic 67, you know, Satanic Majesties, Pepper, Mystery Tour, all the other big ones out of 67. You know. By the way, I am so glad you said Satanic Majesties request before you said Sgt. Pepper. Why? Oh, no, it's just that that just gives me a huge sense of satisfaction, pun intended. Dun, dun, and he, no, no, okay. Oh Jesus Christ! What did um, I sign up for? Yeah, no, no. So it's um, it, it's an album that it took a while for me to get into, uh, but then when I defo- when I finally figured out what the concept was, and I guess I had to be a little bit older to understand, finally learn about pirate radio and what it Arr. meant, what it meant to listeners in the UK, knowing a little bit about the history of radio in England, being that you know the BBC only gave you two or three channels to listen to well and, and the bbc only gave uh i think less than 60 minutes a day of what they called needle time needle time that's right and so well that's kind of why we have all these great live sessions and you know full bbc albums but that's why the pirate station sprouted up it's you had it you know places like radio luxembourg luxembourg caroline yep. radio caroline and of course, the the name you're probably going to hear over and over through the rest of this show, wonderful radio, radio London. London, yeah, <laughs> whoopee, whoopee. So that was uh, for an album to have that approach at that time, to do that at that time, at the height of pirate radio. I mean, considering where the Who were at that time, you know that this was their third album. The Ethan showed you at the top of the show. Um, he's got uh, you know the first their 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 debut. 
my generation. Okay. Oh, I, I haven't shown that yet. I showed that before we started. Oh, but we were before we started. But we. But you know, I, I can hold he, it up. He's well. Please do that for us, Tom. Will you? Um, so, you know, for the audio listeners, I am Vanna Whiting. Right. Uh, my generation. So, and again, that was a, again for me not a real big fan of that period because it's all R and B stuff for the most no. part. So I'm not really into it. For for a long time, this record, a quick one. I this was my favorite Who record. I I even preferred it to Sellout. Really? Yeah. A quick it's, one, as we know in the UK, but also retitled Happy Jack in the United States. Yeah, because they added Happy Jack to it. Correct. Let's go. Let's, let's make some more money and throw yeah. Happy Jack the single on there, which is, which was as we found out in our Ubu Jubu episode, was Paul McCartney's one of his favorite early Who songs, right? Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> and actually, now you mentioned Happy Jack, uh, and I'll probably mention this show again later on. I saw the Who back in 2017. I think this was the only stop in the tour where they played any amount of Happy Jack. Pete played about 20 seconds of Happy Jack on a guitar. Uh, acoustic? Yeah, because uh, apparently The Who had their first chart hit anywhere in the States, any sort of major radio airplay in Michigan, where I saw them playing Happy with ha- Jack. With Happy Jack? And so he was, you know, wise old rock star telling stories. He started playing. Yeah. Happy Jack wasn't old. So, you know, you've got these these first couple of albums, and obviously a quick one it was a real big departure and growth from my generation. Um, kind of Anglo-pop, uh, to borrow a word from Dave Marsh, who described that in the liner notes of uh, the 1995 edition, with obviously a quick one while he's away, being the focal point of that record. Um, done much better live, by, by the way, in my opinion, uh, on Live at Leeds. Although yeah. that studio version is just so quirky anyway. I'm is is it sacrilege to say when it comes to the sixties who stuff, I don't prefer the live version. I I like the live version or the live versions of any of it. I don't prefer it. You prefer the studio cut. I'll take I'll take the studio version of Substitute or My Generation over the live versions any day. Really? Because I honestly that was some my first exposure to any song from from um the Who Sell Out was Tattoo on Live at Leeds, the the expanded CD version from the 90s. That was the first time I even heard that. I didn't even hear the studio version. And so you've got songs like that. I'm like, oh, this is a really good song. You know, Keith Moon going crazy on the drums. Welcome to my life. Tattoo. I mean, it's crazy. And then so you got Substitute. I, I think those live versions on Live at Leeds, for me, are light years better than the studio tracks. Um, the, only, the only live version of the 60s whose song that I like better is the I think it was like the London Palladium 1969 version of My Generation. Sure. I think I think that's really good. Yeah, but I mean you're you're a purist at heart, so you like these original 60s stuff all intact. And um, well, it, it's not even a matter of purism. It's just I think they pack so much into those tiny little singles. With the especially with my generation in particular talking about a song that's not on the album we're talking about no i know but we're getting to that we're kind of the the path to where they who got to this point i mean like 1966 substitute i mean they're they're, these singles all these pre-tommy singles substitute happy jack i'm a boy pictures of lily these are all pop you know you know little pop perfections in three minutes all these all these tracks yeah 
you know, so it's, you know, this is, you could see the trend that they were going and, um, you know, the who said now the period between the who sell out, the who sell out and Tommy is a really kind of crazy period. Because, oh, I love that, that inner album period. Cause, Cause I, I love bands when they're weird and you and they don't were get weird. much, you the don't who get much six, weirder than the who in 1968 who. were like, are we becoming something else or are we just going to be doing like call me lightning and dogs? Call me lightning dogs. Then you had like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Very well. So coming out of the, I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but coming out of the who sell out period into like an unknown period is also very interesting. So, um, you know, I guess the, the pressure was on the band to perform and deliver, I guess with the third album a little bit, probably because obviously the fourth proper album would have been Tommy, but, um, yeah. certainly uh, it's an album that is, uh, I mean, I don't know the chart success right off the top of my head, uh, how it did in the UK or in the US. I, yeah. I, I don't, I think it might've done better over here than it might've in, in the UK. Right. So all right, here we go. So it reached 13. It was, uh, so it uh, was, it reached 13 in the charts in the UK in December of 68. How, how to, did it fare in Canada? It got to, uh, let's see. In, well, it got to 48 in um, North America. So I don't know what it did in Canada. Um, I just have the UK and the US here. Um, Fair enough. I'm interesting. Sorry, sorry, fellow Canadian. But um, fellow general- Canadian. Well, on this show, I'm, I'm an honorary, honorary, honorary Canadian. How about that? You're, you're um, quick to dub yourself that. I'm a, I'm a nomad. I can do those. Okay, things. fine. I'll, you can be an honorary Canadian if I can be an honorary Jersey, Jersey boy. You want to be an honorary soprano? Yeah. Okay. I'll talk to the guy to talk to the guy, okay? Yeah. All right, good. Oof, my own. <laughs> this guy will be here. Yeah. Oh. Hands, the hands. You got to do the hands. Um, Word to the wise. Remember Paul Harbour. <laughs> so, See, this is, what, this is what you've signed up for, listeners. I, I, you've, yeah. you've signed up for, in this episode, will probably just be the two of us recanting our favorite jingles from this album and doing Sopranos impressions at, at each other. All right. Not with, at. At, at, at the record. So, you know, um, I think in terms of, I don't know if the Who were at that make or break point yet with this album. I think Tommy became that album for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, the modest success with I can with I can see for miles, uh, not the success that Townsend wanted, as we all know. And he's he's stated that quite a lot over the years and very recently in all the press promotion for the box set coming. That's already out yeah. now. That That's the one thing about this whole box set. And, you know, whenever the who goes into publicity mode. It makes me remember how bitchy Pete Townsend is about anything. Oh, like, re- remember, remember when the last Who album came out? Yes, and you know Pete was going on wherever, and he was just bitching and moaning about whatever. And less than like a less than a year later, he was bitching about that album. Yeah, yeah, it's he was. Like, none of us really, you know, uh, uh, Roger didn't like where we were going with it. That's very good, by the way. That's a good. That's a very good Pete impersonation. I no, I did not. read that article in the Rolling Stone uh, magazine, and I I enjoyed that who else the self titled album from twenty nineteen. I thought it was light years better than Endless Wire. I oh thought it was, God! I thought it was a great record. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. So, you know, uh, I I just I I don't know. I think it gets a bad rap, but um, you know, I thought fact, it was okay. 
I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I like it better as much or better than face dances or it's hard. That that is probably true. Um, but uh, in terms of the you know, so the who sell out for those of you that don't know it. I mean, so the album has these jingles kind of promoting all these products that are you know, these main products that you see on this album cover, the deodorant, the Heinz baked beans. Yeah. And was still wearing a tiger outfit and Keith Moon putting on, Whoa. you know, acne stuff on his face. It's all this stuff. It's all these products manufactured and advertised on the record interspersed yeah. the track. So you've got the song. Yeah. So the album to, opens up with Armenia in the sky, boom, into a jingle. Well, the whole thing is set up like a pirate radio broadcast. And that was one of the main things that set pirate radio apart from, you know, BBC is that pirate radio had american style advertising so right. they had like proper you know radio jingles like this and interspersed with the things that the who were their own jingles on the record were actual radio london jingles that i think the who actually got sued over by pams the company that made them in, in dallas out of, out of dallas who does then they've been doing jingles for years uh out of dallas uh, they, they even still make a few they they make their old jingles and they, one of the things on their demo reel was that you know wonderful radio, radio london, london. and yeah. i've been so tempted to drop that 350 dollars whatever it is to do a one-off and have it just say my name or something <laughs> that would be pretty cool yeah ethan alexander that would be so cool. Oh, God. I don't even know if I'd put it out anywhere. I just want to listen to it. You just want to have it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Armenia, in the, Armenia City in the Sky is uh, a powerful opener of a track on well, that album. You, you left out the Monday, Oh, Tuesday, uh, yeah. yes. It, the days of the week. So the album, yeah, the album just opens up with the voice going Monday, Tuesday, Monday. Tuesday. Monday. Right. Tuesday. But, and then all of a sudden this distorted guitar, wow, right, drops right into the track. Right? You know? Yeah. And well, very psychedelic, very psychedelic track, right? You know, and it's written, written by Speedy Keen, who later... Thunderclap Newman. Later of Thunderclap Newman with, fame. Again, the, our obligatory reference to the fabulous foursome. Beatle connection there. Uh, Pete formed Thunderclap Newman, featuring one young Jimmy McCulloch. Very young Jimmy McCulloch at the time, like 14 or 15. Yeah. Whiz Whiz kids. So Speedy Keen writes Armenia City in the Sky. Super, super psychedelic track. Which, fun, fun thing about that, because, you know, I am part Armenian. I've always been super irritated with the song, you know, having it listed. Oh, it says Armenia in the title. And then you get to the song and it's like, Armenia. And it, it turns out it was just like a, a typo. The song was originally called I'm an Ear. I'm sitting, an ear. Yeah, in the I, sky. Right, I'm an ear. Oh, you know, I'm an ear. You know, very, yeah. very, very, very play on words there a little bit with that track. Yeah. You know, uh, and again, I think that, again, that was, that ended up being included on the um, the Maximum R&B box set from the 90s. And I think that's the first time I heard that song. So there was other these songs that were out there that, uh, you know, and then we go right into our first, our first advertisement, which is the Heinz Baked Beans, which is written by John Entwistle. Oh, God, John Entwistle, the more I think about it, what I love about 60s Who, it has so much to do with John Entwistle. Very you know, much. The Who being weird, that's mostly John Entwistle. Because when you think of songs like Boris the Spider, huh. you think of, you know, 
whiskey man. Yep. The, these are all these we weird all, little... Let's not forget Keith Moon here either. Had a lot well, to do with that. <laughs> it's, I, I think he and Keith went off and recorded most of the jingles themselves. Right. You know, so... Uh, but definitely the weirdness factor of the 60s, who def- especially M. Whistle, he's littered all over these jingles yeah. with his with his deep voice. And, What's for tea, man? You know, and of course the brass, which you know he was playing on because John was the ho- uh, horn player for the Who. Yeah. You know, and all these kind of, What's for tea, daughter? Heinz, baked beans. What's for tea, daughter? I mean, so that's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's unbelievable to think about, like, you know, you put on a record and you're actually hearing commercials. It's an unbelievable concept. It is. And it's highly original and highly And they're not even commercials that were paid for. The, these are things that The Who just did. And then I think all they got out of this record, they wanted, like, I think the quote from Pete is, they wanted Jaguars, but all they got was 50 tins of Heinz baked beans. That's right. That's right. And, of course, of course their manager, their management at the time was very oh. influential in what they were doing here. Lambert Kit- and Stamp. Lambert and Stamp were very probably very hands-on at this point still with the band and pushing this direction and uh, supporting the band in this kind of pop art pastiche that they were doing with this whole thing. So they had their total support um, to do this and go all in. So... That no doubt helped the band, and you know, and got them through it a little bit to do this, uh, through it. Um, next track, Marianne with the shaky hand. <laughs> um, lots of different, lots of different versions of this song too on various sets over the years. Yeah, one of the one of your one of the ones you like a lot on this album, or not really? Uh, it, it pains me to say it's it's not my favorite track on the record. Mine, I, not mine I have a feeling you kind of anticipated me saying that, though, given my track record. Pun intended with that sentence. My, track records. Track records. Track records. Track record, track track records. records. <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay. It's We're again, here all night, folks. It's it's Pete doing his you know pictures of Lily you know type writing stuff here. So you know it's okay. Uh, I actually think it's a little out of place in the overall f- concept of the record. A little bit, yeah. you know. Tattoo, Odorono, I can see for miles, can't reach. I just think those those Marianne with the shaky hand, I just think is a little out of place in this record. Um, I, I agree. But it's not a bad song. No, it's on its own. I just I don't think it flows with that. Um, you know, like if, if it wasn't on the album and it was just like the B-side to a single, like everyone would be like, oh, my God, this B-side, what a gem. Right. Uh and that goes into one of my favorite tracks, weirder tracks, but I love it, is Odorono. Well, first we have to mention oh. the premier drum. Oh, right, right. Premier drum. Yeah, you got to, if, if I forget the jingles, throw them in there because the, yeah. it, it's the one thing I wish they would actually put the jingles on the track listing, which they've done now, I think, on these new these new versions that are coming out. Um, you're getting you're getting the, the jingles. But like the CDs, if you look at like the 95 or, the, or any of these, any of these editions on CD, you're not seeing the jingle names listed. Now, the you're, new you're lucky on the Spotify or on one of the Spotify versions. I think like the deluxe it has in parentheses at the end of like the song title includes wonderful Radio London jingle right. includes premier right. drum. Like when I rip this into my iTunes, I can see it's it says like it says Marianne with the shaking hand then parentheses premier drums into Radio London jingle. Right. So um, who's on the premier? Is that all the who you think shouting, you know, premier drums or is that just John and Keith? What do you think? Uh, no, it sounds, it, it sounds like it's more than just John and Keith. Oh, all of them maybe. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, well, certainly Keith on the drums. Well, yeah, of course, obviously. Um, yeah. Odorono. Um, who thought a song about deodorant could actually sound so catchy and good? Yeah. You know, sang the best she'd ever sang. You know, and it's all triumphant. And it's like, That's the what? way she felt. It's like it, we're talking about deodorant. He's singing yeah. about deodorant, and it sounds good. But the, the, <laughs> the beauty of this song, and it's they nail the whole language of ad copy. It sounds like an actual, you know, thing you'd hear advertising deodorant. Right. Triumphant was the way she felt as she opened the dressing yeah. <laughs> room door. Right. <laughs> um, and then it kind of ends. You know, he, so she should have used Odorono. Oops. You know, it's Whoops. like, you know, what? oopsie. Uh, and then that kind of that takes us out with the. Uh, oh, oh, is that with the, with the lady going smooth yeah. sailing? Yeah. It's smooth sailing. Right, with the highly successful, wonderful Radio London into Tattoo, which, again, you could say it doesn't really tie into the concept of the album, but I don't know. I, I think Tattoo is one of the best songs. Oh, God, that, that guitar tone. Like the... I I don't know if it was like through a Leslie, but, you know, it just sounds oh. kind of wonky. Yeah, and uh, me and my brother were talking to each yeah. other. I mean... Who can't relate to that, you know? Growing the, up. the harmonies. Right. What, you know, is it brain or bronze the month where you were born? We just can't understand. Um, it just opens up very majestically with those guitar strings like Ethan it's was It's the saying. most majestic song about child abuse I've heard. About, about going to get tattoos? Yeah, yeah. beat my brother, whatever. Yeah, we went, and we borrowed money, and we, and we got, you know. And again, the welcome, it's very... The studio version's very understated. You know, welcome to my live tattoo, but live? Listen to that on Live at Leeds. They go to town on that section. Yeah. Keith starts going crazy with that. Whereas but, on on the record, he's pretty sedated. Very sedated. But even Daltrey, you know, you'll be there when I die. Very, very, you know, very simply stated, but masterfully. But that, what you, you just hit on something right there, and I think that may be why I like... 60s who more than I like 70s who is because Daltrey great voice he was more understated though and he didn't just you know well he didn't become he, the, he, he didn't become Tommy yet yeah. yeah he he wasn't Tommy he was just singing these songs right and that's that's why I don't like the live version of Substitute very much it's because I think he's he's shouting you know, it yeah whereas instead he's you know singing it that's Which, a, very good a, a good compromise if you want the kind of sound of both. Uh, on the BBC Sessions Who record, they did a version of Substitute around 1970, and it's still at the point where Roger can sound like how he did in 66. So without, he, without shouting it. Yeah. So he sounds like that, but the backing stuff sounds like how they kind of were at Leeds. At Leeds, right, but he was still kind of singing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tattoo takes us into the uh, uh, Radio oh. London Church of Your. That's one of the. That's actually one of the best ones. Which go that, to the Church of Your Choice. So bizarre when I, I I looked into it. It was part. All of these jingles were part of the same package from Pam's. Right. Uh, like you can hear the the weird. It sounds almost like a talk box. It, it's called a Sonavox, and it's they had these like little speaker things that I I'm not even quite sure how it works. But I, I digress. Part of that thing was uh, 
a church thing because they were selling this to a lot of American stations. Oh, that's right out of a church. Yeah. And so, but they would sell that and, you know, you could say, like, go to church on Sunday or, you know, some, like, extremely religious message in the thing. But Radio London (laughs) just pick go to the church of your choice. Radio London reminds you. I mean, go to the church of your choice. Boom, right into Our Love Was, which is, you know... This this is a great one, and I, you know, Keith opening up with the drums with a ton ton of reverb and echo on him. Yeah. Um, Funny thing is, of, in my notes, I actually have for this song, let Andy take the lead. On our love was. Yeah. Um, again, we get we get Pete uh, again, you know, and that's the thing too. Pete Pete does his fair share of singing lead vocals on this album. It's not a Roger dominated album at all. And you, you got you got Pete on Odorono, Our Love Was, um, Sunrise, re, uh, Relax. Yeah. So. Well, and. Oh, no, no oh. not Relax. Not really Relax. No, but uh, uh, I Can't Reach You. He's doing I can't, the lead. He's on, I'm sorry, I Can't Reach You. Um, you know, I think Our Love, I, I enjoy, I think Our our Love Was is one of my, kind of my, one of my probably key tracks of the whole record. Um, I love the la, 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 yeah. la, la, long, and then the drums, you know. So, right, musically it's 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 a it's a nice rhythmic working section, you know, um, and that's probably Dan Whistle doing the la la la's, I'm sure too, because he was very good oh, at yeah. doing that, you know. And well, Keith, that's, that's one of his trademarks. Yes. Um, what's that one part of the song? I'm just jumping around here too, right before it kind of goes. I love. I really that. did like the riff. The riff is great. That riff is great. You know, and then it kind of, again, you've got that wonderful Elton John effect of modulation where the song starts in one key and then jumps up to another one. Yeah. Which this song does that a little bit, you know? Nice little it's key like, change. Very good. Because now it's like, our love was, and because, you know, our love was soaring. I need, like, his lyrics are like soaring. Our love was flying. Our love was soaring. So I, that, I, that I love. All that about that track. Um, it, again... It, it leads into my favorite. I think this jingle? might be my my favorite jingle on the record. Oh, You're is a this pussy the, cat, uh, you know where it's at. Hit down in every place. The Lord haunt. You like all the ones with the weird voices. I love the weird voices. The AM then, sound. Breathe yeah. easy, breathe easy. And then it goes into a second jingle with hold your group together with road to sound strings. Right, right, and then boom, right into the the right, head of the album. Right into I can right see in, for miles. Right into the the classic, classic I can see for miles. In fact, and one of the one of the box sets, I think it might be the Max and B one. When you actually go to I can see for miles, you hear them. They actually tagged on the jingle at the beginning of the track. <laughs> well, as they should. And I was like, oh, they actually. And I think that actually was how I actually discovered. Wait a minute. This isn't a song by itself. I need to look into what that album came from. I think that's how I figured out this whole 60s, you know, pirate radio aspect thing. But, uh, yeah, I can see for miles. This it, it must song- be jarring, though. For Sorry if I keep interrupting. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it must be jarring for people who don't know the whole, like, pirate radio concept going and listening to this record. It's like, what the hell is this? Why right. why are there these ads and this, these weird little bits and pieces that go along with it? Why why are these there? Yeah. Uh, well, this, they're the uninitiated and they need to be. Yeah. Um, and we'll initiate them by force if we have to. 
listen, get on board or get ran over. Um, this is a song where I, I I don't know if like Pete like really I mean I know he's like disappointed this wasn't a mega smash hit but it's it's a good song and it's probably the one of the strongest songs on the album it's great but I just I don't like I think I like like substitute or I can't explain better than this yeah you know and I I know like he still harbors like resentment for this song being like not the the smash that it should have been um, again. Very psychedelic, very of the period, you know. Um, I I think it's a great song. I just it's kind of gotten lost there in the pantheon of uh, who tracks. I mean, what do you think about I can see for miles? Well, um, I grabbed this too. Yeah, so when, tell, when I, tell me about that. When I when I think of I can see for miles, I think of when I when I saw the Who initiate hold up program part of the show, adding to my Tom Hanyadi impression. Um, when I when I saw them, the the main takeaway from that show was seeing them do "I Can See for Miles," because they had you know this video screen with these you know landscapes and like you know the ground was also the ceiling and it was I I don't even know how to describe it. You just look up who twenty seventeen I can see for miles and you'll know what I mean. It's, yeah, it's it's also a song that um, I, I guess is. They can play it. They've done it justice, I guess, now because their live act has been better. But there's there's some '80s versions of "I Can See for Miles" with Kenny Jones and stuff, and it just doesn't sound that. Like I know they played it on the '89 tour. Oh God, the Who on Ice, and that with the, when they did Tommy and "I Can See for Miles" sounded so bad. Well, that whole well, tour sounded terrible. I I disagree. I think the Tommy stuff was good. Well, that that's about when when the Who started playing. They had to turn down Entwistle. Yeah, if memory serves, because Townsend's hearing was right. And he had it, all he could play was an acoustic uh, guitar on that tour. Yeah, um, but there's uh, that's a song like you hear it, you hear that '80s tinny version of I Can See for Miles with like the with like the girl backing singers, and you're like, oh yeah. man. Well, no one was immune to the the girl backing singers. No, like, everybody did. Hell, it. Pink Floyd, that oh. defined the the momentary lapse of reason tour. Sure, but. Um, in terms of the 60s content, you know, it's just also a song they probably didn't, you notice in their set lists after this in the 70s, they weren't playing I Can See for Miles. Oh, it was probably fairly dated by then. You know, it's like, you oh, know, God, another flower power left over. And like, imagine it. if the Stones kept We Love You in well, the that- set lists into, like, Sticky Fingers. Right, it just wouldn't sound. I couldn't see them dusting off. I can see for miles when they're when they're playing tracks off "Who's Next" and Quadrophenia. It just was not going to jive. Yeah, like this is Roger Daltrey in the frilly shirt and Townsend in his paisley jacket on the Smothers yeah, Brothers. Smothers Brothers are playing out at the um uh oh at the uh, Monterey. Monterey, Monterey Pop. This is that's this this is that period done up. Um, so I mean, listen, it's the hit of the it's the hit of the you know, and I think even says. I, on my, on my, yeah, on my American copy, you know, it's even got the hype sticker, yeah. right? Including I Can See for Miles. So, you know. Plus, plus 10 new selections. Plus 10 new selections. So that clearly that was the single that they were pushing, you know. They, they didn't go so far as to retitle the album I Can See for Miles and pull a Happy Jack. No, they did not. But that'll be, there's another version of that coming out of the box set, which I'm really, I think it's like take eight or something like that. Or take five, I think, and I'm really anxious to hear how that sounds. I, I will say my favorite part of the the whole song 
is when they kind of switch up the chorus after the first chorus, instead of just like, I could see for miles and right. miles. When it goes like, I could see for miles and miles. I have a terrible singing voice, so this is, it's hard to demonstrate without breaking copyright laws. <laughs> That's a cool part. I I dig the, actually, the outro of the song. Again, I, it almost puts you like in a trance, like the song actually is going on and 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 then fades yeah. out. That's probably one of the coolest effects of the whole song. You know, and then it just kind of just takes us into... Um, well, uh, you have to flip, this is the part where you have to... You know, flip well, you gotta, the record. Well, over. Now you got to flip the record over and listen to another jingle. Take it yeah. away. Take it away. What do we hear next? Well, you you hear the uh, Charles Atlas chorus with dynamic tension. Dynamic tension turns you into the beast of a man. <laughs> I I had to Google today because I I wanted to be informed what Charles or who Charles Atlas was, and he was you know some Italian American bodybuilder weightlifter guy. Yes. A workout program, <laughs> and now you see why M Whistle is wearing that yeah. you know, on the on the on the on the jacket. the The thing with that though is I didn't know this until I had dug into it. There's a few different variations of that album cover throughout the world, including one in Canada, where they they changed Charles Atlas on the cover to isometrics. Really. I would show that, but I don't have a Canadian copy. Oh, I bought you mine don't. in Floridia. <laughs> Floridia. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but uh, Charles Atlas takes us into another wonderful Townsend ballad. The, the uh, song I... that really drew me back into the Who sell out after years of just kind of yeah, of years of saying a quick one was my favorite. This one got you hooked back in. This this one's like okay. You have my attention again. Yeah, and that's uh, I Can't Reach You, which yeah. is, uh, again, this is like classic, classic Townsend writing here. One that, again, a song that suits Townsend's voice way better than Daltrey's. Yeah. Soft, tender, you know, uh, gentle gentle verses and into a great chorus. I can't reach you. With ours outstretched, I can't reach you. Uh, great piano, little bouncy yeah. piano. That, you know, I'm a million ages past you, a million years behind you, too. It's this. This is like classic '60s Who, right here. Yeah, you know it, it's uh, when you incredible. play. If you play, if you're trying to initiate somebody into like Who songs that you shouldn't know. This song needs to be on that playlist. Would exactly. you agree? I I would 100% agree. Again, this was the song. Like after I got back from Floridia, I had you know plopped this record on the turntable before I, I filed it away on my shelf working away at my computer and then this song came on and I'm like oh 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 you're gonna turn into Sopranos episode again yeah woke up this morning <laughs> um yeah uh Again, I, I don't think any of the songs generally, I mean, there, some of them are tied to, you know, pushing this product and advertising stuff. This is not. This is just a nice Townsend ballad, um, you know, that works its way, you know, into nicely into side two of the record. I, 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 lo I love I Can't Reach You. I, I couldn't put it any better. I, I, you know, you know, you're so alive, I'm nearly dead. I can't reach mm. you with arm down. I can't feel Something, yeah. something, but the nerves are dead. Right. So uh, I Can't Reach You takes us into what jingle next? Um, takes us into Medak. 
Oh, right. See? Now, right into Medak, yeah. which... Which, funny enough, on, on the original... Well, it, on all the American copies, it was called Spotted Henry yes. on the label. Why is that? I think there must have been some sort of licensing issue. Because all, all those covers, I'm not sure... Uh, so you tell me, American copies say it says Spotted Henry uh, on the on the record. Yeah, really? Yeah, check. Let me look. Because I mean, the cover says Andy Medak. is now pulling out his copy of the Who Medak. Sell Out. It says Medak on the cover. I can't reach you, Spotted Henry. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. Wow. It, it my- says Medak on the British one, and for some reason. Again, with the cover variations, this is the most severe one. In Australia, they straight up changed the cover right. and swapped out the brand for a different... I don't... It's like Clarisol or something? Clarisol. I, I think Clarisol. I've seen that, yeah. They they swapped out Medac for that. Right. All right, labels, labels are... What, what pressing is this? That's... I... I should have brushed up. That's, you know, Rainbow Decca. That's got to be like 67 or to around like 71, I think. Okay. Mine looks the same. And for for solidarity, I'll pull mine out too. Thank you. And. That's your American, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is my American. I think it's like the exact same. Yeah. Perimeter print on there too or no? Uh, Mine does not have perimeter print. Okay. Um, mine does not either. Yeah, probably very similar issue. Um, I bought mine for the whopping price of fourteen ninety nine. <laughs> oh, I, I think I paid more than that because I I just wanted a nice American copy. Or I think I just wanted a copy. Oh, see the the date's even on the sticker when I got it. I bought it on December twenty third, two thousand six. Oh, there you go. <laughs> And see, yours, yours comes with the, the hype sticker, and mine has a cut corner. Okay. Yeah. I mean, probably a promo then, right? And Well, I'd say more cutout bin. Oh, cutout bin. God forbid. Yeah. Imagine um, that. Fucking Who Records in the cutout bin. Yeah. So we hear that little 50, you know, 50 second little jingle for the Medak, which so now Keith is represented as well. Yeah. And that takes so, us into another Towns and Children. Nicknamed by his friends, Old Yella. Uh, yeah. And that takes us into uh, Relax. Okay. Which it yeah. can either make you relax or you just, you don't know what's going on with Relax. You uh, don't know. There, There's, you know, that organ intro. Yeah. Uh, probably um, a Hammond. Probably. This this one I don't. This one sounds like it's like a, a. This sounds like it's Pete with Roger singing or Pete and John singing. Yeah. This sounds like two of them are definitely singing on it. Yes, and I am listening to it as we go through it here, people. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I think they're both on this one. Um, favorite part of this song is when Pete, you know, we try harder and harder. I like that. I like that bit. Yeah. Well, I, I like it as as the song goes on. It gets a little more of an edge to it. Yeah, it gets a little wacky, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, I like it when it gets wacky. And then it actually just ends with the guy going, or somebody, uh, somebody going, relax. Right? I, don't, yeah. I just don't know. I don't know who that is. Um, Could now be this fucking one, Speedy Keen for all we know. This one jives with the ethos of what the Who Sell Out is, too, I think. 
terms of the concept and stuff like that. I always thought Relax was a good one. Um, Sunrise as well, we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, these songs kind of go into it, tie it very well. Um, Relax. That takes us into Silas. Silas Stingy. This is John Entwistle. Take this, it away, Ethan. This, this, is, is your, this is your stuff. Th- this is another one of those those great Entwistle story songs, like the aforementioned Boris the Spider. Creepy crawly. And uh, Whiskey Man, you know? Yes. It's why couldn't the Who stay this fucking quirky? That's why that's why you like this album because yeah. they were just so they, they peaked with Jekyll and Hyde and dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Psychedelic who? And that's what this is, man. That, that's about the time I think the acid wore off. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, Pete was, you know, and definitely and this was before he discovered Mir Baba, by the way, too. Oh yes. Well before See, that. See the Beatles aren't the only ones with spiritual gurus. Hell no. That that's why he, he became such good friends with Ronnie Lane. That's it's, right. They had the same spiritual guru. Mir Baba. Right. So which one is it, Tommy? Ties, which lets me tie in the small faces. Of course. And Ronnie Lane. Silas Stingy. What's, the, what, what's he talking about in Silas Stingy? I have no idea. But the song's Silas Stingy. And then in the chorus, he's like, there goes Minji Stingy. It's like, okay, you could have just called the song Minji Stingy. Could have. Great, great sixties organ in this track too. You know, then in the head, and then you hear the organ yeah. going. That's that's trademark sixties sound right there. Yeah, um, which is done very well in this song. But if there's I'm some being great sixties organ on this record. Oh no doubt. Um, it's probably one of the. It's probably up there with Marianne with a shaky hand though, in terms of not one of my favorites on the record. Oh, I couldn't imagine the record without it. You couldn't. I couldn't. Well, I, yeah. You know, this is again. If we're playing, play it or skip it, which we're not, I would skip yeah, it. That that's a different show, right? That's a different show. But and I would need to sound like this. <laughs> yeah, partner. We we love you, Tom. We love you. We love you. Um, jingle at the end of Sting Like Silas? No, no. That goes right into the beautiful. There, there's no. There's no. Uh, track. No. Or there's no jingle till the end of the record now. Right, because it goes it goes into sunrise. Sunrise and uh, into then to into uh, Rael. Um, yeah, sunrise, gem, little just. Well, I I, I knew you'd like it because th- this is the most Tommy esque song on the record. Hell, at one point you can tell where Pete's going, you know, like direction wise, like where his vision for the future goes, because you can straight up hear the pinball wizard riff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. That actually, that's a great yeah. point. And it, you're, you know, you're the, doing that. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like a, a prelude to well, Tommy. It's, well, it's, it's, it's he's called this Tommy's parents. You know, this this record yeah. is Tommy's parents, and not to be confused with Tommy's uncle. <laughs> no, or his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> but there is there are trademarks of of what was to come all over this record down the road. You know, here in Sunrise, later on in, in Rael, which I mean, literally, it's just that's just straight up out of the, out of out yeah. of the uh, out of the underture. Um, you know, but Sunrise, I wonder. This is just Pete and himself. This, 
This is a great song. Just peeing an acoustic. There, there's. Oh man. See, th- this isn't my favorite song on the record. You know, it, it's kind of in the same boat as Marianne with the shaky hand for me. For you, only but, because it's just it's just an acoustic ballad that yeah. does, that doesn't have a lot of quirkiness to it, right? And again, I think that's that's kind of my reputation at this point. I don't have a lot of. You know, patience for soft acoustic songs. Oh, it's okay. See, like this, this could be on Quadrophenia. You know, maybe, maybe one of these days I will like it. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I actually, before I knew, I, I actually would have thought this would have closed the album. Nice, but then, you know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't this have. This is the perfect closer, Real. Real so, yeah. is. Oh, what a, what a song. Start us off with Real. Go ahead. Well, the the first thing about this is, it's if you're listening to the song on the in the digital domain, it may be a little confusing because you know the album's been reissued a bunch in the past, and they've done some weird things with this song in those. Yes, releases. they have. Go like ahead. The, Go, the please 19, elaborate. The 1995 CD, which my my partner will hold up. Um had the song because on on the record it's called real like parts one and two and on on the cd parts one and two are just called real one and there's like a separate other track called real two right now i don't know why the the mca back then this the this is the mca release yeah why they chose to ban them that way but it seems like the, those that's been corrected because even the 2009 Fix that. Yeah. 2009 fixed that and just called them Rael 1 and 2. That That's why I'm like listening or listening for this, uh, this show, I forced myself to listen to the record so I'd be less confused. Because Well, without diff- all the other... Well, all, on Spotify, like there's like different, you know, track or for lack of a better term, like different track. I got you. I know. And I know what you're yeah. saying. It's just confusing. It, well, because there's so many different variations yeah. of this, you know. You'd be um, confused because on that CD, Real Two follows Real One, and so you think, oh, so that closes the record, right? Real Two, right? Um, yeah, this song is all over the place uh, lyrically and musically, though. I mean, it's marching drums. It's like, what are we going into war here? You but know, I, I, this is where the organ on this record really shines to me. Yeah. This is where you can hear the total sixties organ. Yeah, and the Daughters going the, the red chins in their millions. I mean that's but, and, and this has, I think, one of my favorite musical transitions of all time. Which is it's between verse one and verse two. And then like you can kind of hear like the beat drop out like they're like fading into a different thing. And just like, Oh yeah, like you're, yeah. you're waiting for you're waiting for it to finish, and they jump it, right into like, the next. It, it sweeps you out from underneath into the next verse. Yeah, that which that's... I love because it just I love it when music takes you in a different direction than you were expecting. And that song does. It's like it's like wait a minute, there's a beat missing here. What do yeah. they do? What do they it's, do here? It's the beat just disappears, and it makes you think there's like a mastering error or something yeah. on the track. <laughs> like someone did like a tape fade into a, a different part of the song. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to read about this in the in the deluxe box set when I, it comes out. I can't out. wait to hear how 
you know, Pete bitches about this too. Oh, a year from now? Well, yeah. Um, you know, but then Rayel is the song that was the fork or, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, the lead off to Tommy later on. But, um, what, the or, but the organ to Ethan's point, um, my God, what, the organ, what, what organ parts in the song are you talking about? Uh, that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and like in that aforementioned kind of verse transition, you can hear it at the end of the second one, and it's just really strong. And it's I, I'm a sucker for a good Hammond. At least yeah. I think it's a Hammond. It could be a a Farfisa or a Vox. I don't think it's a Vox. I think it's probably yeah. A... You know, but then there, right around three and a half minutes into the song, we hear the we hear those we hear those we hear those guitar bing bring. Bing, bing, and you're like, wait a minute, what the hell am I listening to? Yeah, and all the fucking weird percussion with the drenched in reverb. It sounds like I'm. I'm glad I have a proper excuse to mention this band now. Dave D, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch had a hit the following year with a song called "The Legend of Xanadu," that has this kind of whip sound effect. Is one of the main things in the song. And it, too, is a percussion thing drenched in reverb. And so I was listening to this, and I'm like, this kind of sounds like Xanadu. Very cool. Oh, I did not know that. Not to be confused with Olivia Newton-John Xanadu or Rush Xanadu. Or actually Jeff Lynne's Xanadu, because it's really his song anyway. Um, One of the coolest riffs. I'm just saying that for... You know. Of course. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's her. It's her Xanadu. Well, no. It, it's it, on the single. It says Olivia Newton-John and the Electric Light Orchestra. And we're gonna get to them in a future episode of Anything But the Beatles. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That'll that'll come in, in time. Uh, one of the coolest riffs in all of the Who canon, though, is that. Dun, See what dun, I did there, Andy? I did. It, it comes. It'll yeah. Dun, 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 dun. That's one of the coolest riffs in all the music. Yeah. You know. I mean, I it's you know if you want to hear all nine minutes on the of the undertone, you can you can do that and hear that too. But I, I feel like this kind of works as a transition into the weird between period of the who like before, it starts before... off kind of like a normal song and then it gets weird and chaotic at the end and then the following year you have you know call me lightning and dogs and jekyll and right Hyde. which is it's, it's, it's wacky wacky stuff really from when you when you think about where they were wacky 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 man yeah that's it it all comes back it all comes back to the jingles folks it all comes back to the jingles um so we close with this kind of like rail naive thing and that takes the, that you know and then to the john mason cars right or well, no no am it, i it it takes no. you to the the locked groove which I can't play on my oh, fucking no, turntable. Oh, I, which I can't play on this because right? I'm looking at the deluxe edition. Dopey me, um, which I just played before we did the show. You, if you have the original LP and you have a turntable that doesn't automatically return, my co-host will tell us we'll play the sound. What does it sound like when you do it? I need you to snap like. Jack records. Jack records. Jack records. Jack records. Over and over again, yeah, Mimic, mimicking what the Beatles did with the uh, end of the Pepper LP, um, with the never could be any other way. Same thing over and over and over again. Which, I, I think the Stones had locked groove on Satanic Majesty's request. Did they too? I think I think there was like church bells. Yeah, I, I could be completely mistaken. 
Yeah. I thought there was something weird with like the end of, you know, the one side of the record. But I hadn't spun the actually the, the vinyl proper until, you know, probably even it had been years and I forgot that it ended it ended with that. Well, you you've also got you're you're in the 1% there with your nice classic records reissue on the oh. thick thick vinyl. Oh, the oh the heavier vinyl, yeah. yeah. Which yeah, that's um, like super audiophile. This one is yeah. Well, from, from well, around two thousand five, the track records one, yeah. But I mean, it's uh, it doesn't feel. I mean, it feels a little heavier, but uh, I mean, if you want to see what that label originally looked like, please. And then actually, that's the reason I like that was because you get the poster. Yeah, we got the poster with that one, which was so cool. Which you know, is all you know. We'll see. I'm sure reproduced with the box set when it comes out. Well, reproduced with the box set and reproduced with the with the nice two LPs. Which you have coming. You have the mono. Yeah, that's another question I was going to ask you once you show us there. Um, well, but, uh, I have the original mono, too. Yeah, he's got a gem there. He's got a, And I love those UK monos with their high-gloss covers. We didn't yeah. do that good here in the States. I can see the glossiness from here. But, yeah, on the, on the original... Track records, track records. Track, that's it, baby. Although track. My, my copy, I, I bought from a seller who I don't think was a proper record seller, and I'm too scared to put this through my spin clean myself. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I have a spin clean. Now, um, was there? A, did, did you get the poster with that though, or no? Oh no, the the poster would have added like, you know, uh, maybe even a digit to the price. Yeah, I'm sure it would. But, and I, uh, I paid. I will admit I paid three digits for that record. Yeah. Wow. It, it um, very very low three digits, high two digit. Oh, psychedelic poster included. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but this early two thousand seems about right when I got this. Um, it, I think it came out around two thousand five. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I, you know, I'm and I, I have. I have the the new. I think it. I think it's the mono one. I'm not the one sure that's coming because the website didn't say. But I was in, you know, a fucking dork, and I wanted the mono. But like, you discover music had it all sold out. Yeah. So you have a mono coming. So well, I think mono, because I yeah, was reading so- like the catalog number, like the barcode, and it was lining up with what I was seeing elsewhere. So, fingers crossed that it is a mono. And I, I didn't just buy the stereo. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to hearing an original mono mix uh, done again. And I'm, I don't know if it's going to be this kind of cleaned up, re, you know, re kind of this kind of hybrid mono stereo stuff that the producers are doing now. I mean, you've got the original mono album on the 2009 deluxe, which sounds good. But I'm, you know, to me, I don't hear a whole lot of difference. To be quite oh, honest, don't you with have? Isn't that Classic Records one mono too? Is it? I don't even know. Um, well, it's not labeled stereo, so I'm going to guess that it is. Let's see. Because if it's not labeled, um, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm just, you know, we've got the box set coming. I'm, I just, I, I will listen to it a lot differently. I, I'm I, sure. I don't think there's going to be like a, a remix of the mono. I think there no. might be one of the stereo because I, I don't think there's precedent for them remixing a mono. They didn't Probably do that not. with Pepper. And I've noticed some of those, like what you mentioned with the Rayel one and two, there are def- there are definitely differences in the mono and stereos on those Rayels. I've noticed. Yeah, you know, like especially with the vocals. Yes, very different. 
very different notice. Well, that, that song has a strange recording history, because I think they, they straight up had to re-record it. Is that right? At one point. But yeah. I don't think the re-recorded one is the one we hear. I think no. they, they ended up managing to use the original take. Or, or, or it could be the other way around, because it says on that same deluxe edition that I think you were holding, like, Rael IBC Studios re-record, or something okay. like that. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be quite. I mean, and there's a slew of bonus tracks that are gonna be available on all these box sets. Uh, we're not gonna go through all of them, but one of my favorites is Melancholia, uh, which again is so like the Who psychedelic Who, which was on the '95 but not on the 2009, but now it will be on this uh, Uber box set. Well, something that's been on the last few that's kind of more Tommy-ish Who, but still '60s. Uh, Early morning cold taxi. Early morning cold taxi. Yeah, that's a good one too. Um, and then there, yeah, the, these two matching ones that are titled so similarly. At first, I didn't know that they were different songs until I I played them both. It's like, oh wow, these are not the same song. You which, have glittering girl, and oh, then you and have glow girl. Do I know? <laughs> Yeah, it's like wait, yeah. are are these two not the same song? Right, yeah, glittering girl, glow girl, yeah, and yeah. So, especially since some versions have glittering girl, some versions have glow girl, some versions have both, and some versions have none. Right, yeah. So again, is that is that another case where the '95 has glow girl? Yeah, the '95 has glow girl, the 2009 does not, but it has, but it has glittering girl. See, so. Uh, uh, and I, God, even I'm getting the songs confused now. I think it's Glow Girl, is the one that's like separate pairs of lingerie. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Which, it's which, the wing of the airplane has just right. caught fire. I right. say without reservation, we right. couldn't get and, much higher. And, and to get even more confused, you've got a song called Girls' Eyes as well. So uh, all you fans of girls out there, you've got your bases covered. You do. So there's a ton of slew of bonus stuff. Even if you don't, even if you didn't, if you didn't pony up for the super box set and you can find a copy of the 2009, there's plenty on the, on the 2009 deluxe edition. I mean, you've got 30 tracks on disc one and 23 tracks on disc two with an original stereo with an original mono. And now I don't know how hard these are to come by anymore, but um, I, I, I didn't think a super box set was coming, but sure enough, it is. I, I was so excited when they announced that there was going to be a super deluxe of this, because I've wanted one of these for years, like yeah, a so proper deluxe edition of this album. Yeah, it's it's going to be it'll, it'll sit nicely on my shelf next to Tommy and Quadrophenia in the other room. The, the thing is, are, are Tommy and Quadrophenia the same size? They are. And but the billion dollar question is. Will this one be the same size as those? It looks like it. It looks like it's being designed the same way with like the, they have like a little bit of a cutout on the yeah. side to pull the book out. Tommy and Quad are the same way. I think that from what I've seen in the trailer videos, uh, this has done the same thing. Because if, if they go the, the route of the Beatles and they pull another thing where, you know, the Pepper box and the White Album box were not the same size. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that just because they wanted to do the lenticular on Pepper, which I get. With yeah, the, yeah, with that. But you know, 
lend the the solo camps have got it right with their with us kind of you know we're, we're us collectors we're so anal about how things look in our you know in our collections but these are the things that we, we lose sleep over yeah. yes folks and I, I think the Lennon ones have been the same size too they have they have so um I I the Who don't have a whole lot of albums as we know when you look at the McCartneys and the Dylans and the Stones and the Beach Boys, they don't have a lot of albums in their discography. So any kind of lavish treatment that they get, I am all for. Yeah. Um, they don't have a lot of albums. And Townsend has said this. You know, he, was, he even said in that recent interview, he said, we basically were, we had seven to ten good years when we've been living off the rest, which we've been living off of for the last 50, 40 years. And he's, he's not wrong. I mean, what a great seven to ten years, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I want I want an Uber Who Are You box set. I want an oh, Uber. God. I want an Uber Who by Numbers box set. I want all that. I do, and we get when we're getting who's next because he's admitted that as much in the um, in the press interviews. Okay, so, so that life means house, that means house. we've had uh, a super deluxe My Generation. We've had a super deluxe sellout. Where there's already been a Tommy, there's going to be a Who's Next, there's been a Quadrophy. There, no, is, there, is there a Super Deluxe Mind Generation? I think so. I don't know about that. I, I think there was one a few years ago. Maybe there was. You're right. You're right. You're right. But again, me not being a fan of that album, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have got it anyway. So I'm just. I, I mean. Yeah. Even for the completest in me, you know, I have a copy on vinyl, but I, I, I actually I don't know if it was like. Th- this level of super deluxe. I think it was I maybe. I think it was maybe like if it was a CD, it was, might, might have been a four. No, a four disc. It was a. It was a. I think it was one of these. No, I'm not talking about that. It was either. I think it was 2017, or 2017 or 2014. They put out a box. With oh like, okay, I think it was like four or five CDs. Oh okay, so yeah, I mean again, you got Happy Jack. Uh, sorry, a quick one, you know, which you know they if they do a deluxe of that, I can die happy. You'd like that too because that would oh. that would kind of that would bookend your psychedelic who for you. Well, and then take, what, what I've make... done is, uh, for for my uncle, I made a, a little, you know, hybrid album called the Quick Seller. Yes, yes, you did. Thank you for sharing, by the way. Where I I re-edited the Radio London jingles throughout the record, including like the the quick one songs and the singles. You know, if my partner has listened to it, the the Radio London reminds you go to the church of your choice feeds right into substitute. <laughs> I actually have not listened to it yet, but I haven't. But oh, I will. Dick. Uh, listen, would you want me to BS you and tell you I did? I haven't, but I, I no, will. I, I appreciate this. I will. Um, so you took the radio London and it go and it goes right into substitute. Yeah, that sounds pretty freaking cool. And I I did that with all the other songs too, like uh, the song Cobwebs and Strange. I swapped out uh, Heinz Baked Beans because I I keep getting those songs confused because they're so similar. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. It's like but they they they, they sound very similar. Yeah. You're right. Or um, the other one's like, do, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a slightly, it's a different melody, slightly. And you see the wonderful, if you've ever seen Jeff Stein's wonderful, uh, the Kids of All Right oh, documentary, the, and they, the, yeah, the the bit with that where they play that part of the f- promo film, and well, I, Keith, I, the thing is with that, it's that movie is a bit of a clusterfuck because I don't think 
that was originally for that song. I think it might have even been for Call Me Lightning, the video was for. But I, I know the one you're talking about where yes. like, he's got the you know helmet and he's you know running yep. around. Yeah, he's running around. So that'll that would be cool. And I think if they were to neatly sum up and I don't if they were gonna put it out on a box, it would have been this one. If they they kind of take that nineteen sixty eight period and do something with it. Well they do. You, you know, well I'm not, I mean not, I don't mean the magic bus stuff, but oh. I mean like taking extra extras that might be around there and putting that out in some kind of a package now. Yeah. You know, the Magic Bus on tour sums up that period of chaos nicely, but um, maybe do a deluxe version of that, you know what I'm saying? But they, they, you know, tacked Call Me Lightning, they tacked Dogs, they tacked Jekyll and Hyde onto this new Who box. Who box, Which I was, right. I was quite pleased to see. Yeah, yeah, so it's going to, I mean, but there's a lot of, going to be a lot of listening going on and reviewing and, uh, you know, it's, I'm really looking, I'm just really which glad. Which we, we beat the punch by, or, or that's not. That what's what's the expression? Is beat it him be- to the punch. Beat him to the punch. Yeah, we by recording this like right before the box comes out. Well, that was the idea. So you know, uh, Pete, if you're listening or checking it out, yeah, we, we could we could use a signed letter. Thanks, man. You know, yeah. Well, listen, we'll we'll plug it. But thank you. Sorry, I said you bitched. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean it, Pete. So. Um, this yeah, this was fun. This was fun there, uh, partner, doing the, our first look at uh, you know music that is anything but the Beatles, and uh, what a trip looking back at the Who sell out, and I'm we're all in a Who frenzy, frenzy now, waiting for this stuff to drop, and uh, I'm gonna be playing lots of Who over the next few weeks. That's all I can tell you. I don't know about you. Oh, me too. Yeah. Oh God. So uh, this will we're gonna post this uh, this this so you're watching this now and then next month stay tuned for episode two of anything but the Beatles where we've already talked about the artist in this episode that we're doing but not the album we're gonna be talking oh, I, about. I I may have dropped it as a pun somewhere in the episode but you'll have to go and and you know find the right time where I said it. Yes, yes, you will. So. Uh, I'd like to thank my co-host Ethan Alexanian for coming up with this idea to talk about music that we love and share a passion about uh, and just, you know, kick it around. If you like the album and you, or you, we forgot stuff, which we definitely did because we're not experts. We're just two who geeks and we like our music. Please, uh, you know, tell us about the show and what you like and, or anything we might've missed historically, you know, some context, um, we just covered it basically the way that we like the album, the jingles and, um, tell us about us, uh, in the comments, uh, on our YouTube page, which is there, anything but the Beatles with our whole one subscriber, yeah. which is my other podcast. Oh, and me and Ethan's podcast. So that so, makes two. Yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, the other well, stuff you, that you I can do. also reach us at, uh, anything but the Beatles at gmail.com. If you have suggestions for albums that you'd like to see covered, we're on Facebook, you know, anything but the Beatles. We're on Instagram, anywhere but the Beatles, or any anything yeah, but cut, the Beatles. Uh, you, see, you did it now too. See, yeah, you got in my head. Sorry, you got in my head, you meatball. Oh, let's take it easy, Paul. Let okay. me tell you, um, um, where I, I did some kind of custom artwork promoting the thing. Awesome, which was a great job of those as well. Uh, a couple of posts where Ethan kind of just took the artwork and, you know. Get his little Ethan Alexanian uh, brand to it, and uh, please check us out you mean on make all. Make it worse, make it better. 
Um, please check us out on those pages. It's a it's a it's, it's a show that we're not going to do. We're not. We're, this isn't like a fans on the run, which is Ethan's show, which is pretty much you know bi-weekly or a two legs, which is weekly. This is just something that two guys are going to get together and talk about. Yeah. Uh, once a month because we're we're already involved in so many other projects. We we have our fingers in many pies. Four of fish or finger pies. There you go. <laughs> so so uh, where, where can people you. find find two legs? Two legs. Ah, yes. The, the as, show. as if this show isn't kind of co opting the two I legs know. feet a little. Uh, two legs. Yeah, Paul McCartney podcast is a show that I do with my um, partner and friend Tom Hunyadi. Uh, and I've been with him for almost two years, not quite, but a year and a half doing podcasts. And we're on Facebook, Podbean, YouTube, a Paul McCartney podcast. Um, we're at 560 some odd subscribers on YouTube. We are a weekly show that's pre-recorded, and we are also weekly live um, where we rank the tracks on all the McCartney Canon solo albums, which we are rapidly coming to the end of now. And my partner here uh, on anything but the Beatles has kind of graciously given his artistic talent and done some killer thumbnails for every one of these albums. So if you go to our YouTube page, you can see all the thumbnails that he's done. Uh, they've all been great. Uh, the press to play one was interesting because he had a, he had a tiptoe about how he was going to do that one. Well, there, there is an alternate thumbnail for that. Yeah, but you're not going to do nothing with that. So, um, I, it's, I, it's already been it's already been seen by those who need to see it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah, that Tom and I do that, and we're uh, as of this recording and posting, we'll have ranked Chaos and Creation, and we're going to do Memory Almost Full after that. So, um, yeah, just keep following us on those pages. And by the time this is probably posted, I will either have just been on or about to appear on the aforementioned show about Ubu Jubu on Two that, Legs. That's right, uh, because the same, yeah, that's the latest episode of Two Legs, the pre-recorded episode. Ethan joined Tom and I, and we did a show about Paul's radio show, Ubu Jubu, Which from 1995. Which I, I can just say, play a little drinking game along at home. You know, take a shot every time you hear the word Ubu Jubu said, and you may <laughs> not live to see t- the next day. You may not. So that's that's where we can find us on two legs. Ethan, tell us about Fans on the Run. Um, yeah, I host a show called Fans on the Run, as we I've already probably leveraged that to do this. Um, show by for and about Beatles fans where I bring someone on each week or every other week now. Uh, and we go through their long and winding road of Beatle fandom, so to speak. I've had Andy on, I've had the uh aforementioned Tom Hanyati on I've had Tom on, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me pretty much the same place as you can find Two Legs. Uh, I just hit 200 subscribers on YouTube, which, you know, hooray for me. Good for you, man. You're doing it, doing it at your own pace. And, and you can find, you know, fans on the run, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where I post all the artwork I do for my shows. And yeah, that's about Great. it. All right, everybody. Well, thank you. Um, after you listen to this, go get some Heinz baked beans and listen to the Who Sell Out, man. Exactly. Ethan, thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. And remember, folks. Chocolates, chocolates, chocolates. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>